We introduced last week the fascinating Mahalach of the Nitziv in Santa Simalach HaMelech. He was Medayik from the Pasuk. Normally that triggers the mitzvah, and yet the Pasuk says, Amarta Simalai Melech Kachol Hagayim Hashem Viva Sais. As we mentioned, the Gemara says the different groups who asked for a king when they finally asked in the time of Shmuel and Avi. They were given show. The tzaddikim asked for only positive reasons, lishpar yad rishayim, to keep law and order, enforce halacha, inspire them, and the sabbenanim, we don't like calling anybody rishayim, it doesn't make them a rasha here, necessarily, but they said, we're looking around, the goyim, the pomp, the ceremony, looks like a lot of fun, and we want to be further away in Ruchnius from Akash Baruch Hu, that wasn't good, and Shmuel Anavi, his representative, and Hashem told Shmuel Anavi that they didn't reject me entirely, but it was a discomfort, if you'll call it, of being too close, and they wanted more B'derech HaTeva. That was the Gemara's explanation of what happened. The Nitziv says, in theory, Nitziv obviously agrees that when they asked, there were different madregas of those who asked and different reasons, different motives, in theory, the Nitziv said that governments work at different times for different people in different ways. And he outlines, as we saw last week, the gap between democracy, monarchy, tyranny, dictatorship. Tyranny is not really one of the good options. But he said people operate in different ways and... Certain kufas, certain people function better under a king, but they have to be willing to be makabal moris, the makabal b'shibud, the oil of the taxes and the service in return for a firm grip on running the country, which could be very good in streamlining what has to get done. But they have to be ready for it, and they have to be willing to do it, and they have to want it. And therefore, unlike come out all other mitzvahs, this mitzvah only applies at such time that they're in the mood and they see a need and it has to be with rave of the good people who we ask and it has to be assessed by the Sanhedrin and of course ratified so to speak through the Navi with the Dvar Hashem of who that man should be which is what happened in the time of Shaul even though there was a tumult and thunder and lightning uh, showing the displeasure of the Shechina in how some requested it they got their request because in essence it is a mitzvah, and they're asking to do it, and it's been 350 years, the entire span and period of the Shaftim. So that was a very optimistic angle on what ended up being, for some people, uh, very not good for the Ruchnias, but since for most of the people it was parv to positive, Hashem said yes. I'm trying to go very slow on this, as it makes this a very unique mitzvah. There's no referendum on Tulin. On chakras, on tzitzis. Okay, tzitzis might be a dvarishus also to put it on. But most of our mitzvahs, you have to do it. You're in the mood, wonderful. You're not in the mood, that's an opportunity to get more schar for pushing yourself anyway and to do it l'shma. Here, it's got to work, or else you're going to have revolt. And it's says and it could get dangerous. It could be a civil war, and you need law and order, and one of the purposes of the king is to be able to raise the bar on that not cause havoc. Automatically. Al-Pidin. 
No. Alpidin, he takes over, and uh, here nepotism is a chiv, not a bad word. And as we saw at the end of Malachim Beis, uh, the right one on the throne gets it and shouldn't be running away, shouldn't be abdicating. We don't really have sort of concept unless he feels that he's a nobody and it's not just al Derech Musar, he's really a nobody. In which case, I don't give it to him. All things being equal, if the Bechar is in the Parsha, even though he might need some training, we train him if he has basic Yerusha Mayim. If he doesn't, then we go to the next one. But the answer to your question is absolutely yes. Okay, that was the recap of the Nitziv. I want to show you where the Nitziv fits into the Rambam, and you can see the echo of this Nitziv in the Rambam. Yes, I heard the Apostle. Well, yeah. Well, not Rodekach means they don't have the information and experience, they don't have the Yerushalayim. If they don't have the information and experience, you get somebody to train them. If they don't have the Yerushalayim, you get somebody to learn Musa with them and see how it develops, but don't appoint them yet. Because once he's there, it's very hard to get rid of him. And you can't uh, assume the Yerushalayim is going to come into play that quickly. Menashe happens to be was uh, young and... The people, unfortunately, it's not just Menashe. There were many in between. The Yachim were coming up at the end, in Passaic at least, at the end of uh, the days. There's a few that really didn't pass muster at all. Not even a Havamina. Tithkiel was a good Havamina. He was last. The other ones grabbed the throne. Not even in the right order. And that's why the Ramam brings down, the Gemara brings down that they had to have a Mashiach because there was dissension because it wasn't in the right order. But the reality was none of them should have been really contending because none of them had any clue of what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants before the Chorban and how much it's going to take to turn this around. So even though it's interesting the Gemara brings that example, you need Mashiach because it wasn't clear it was out of order, the Gemara didn't mention, well, maybe we should do Mashiach on nobody because nobody's ready for the throne. It's a Chiddush. We can see from there that if nobody else is running for it, then it is a child, and he's not announcing beforehand that he wants to turn the clock back to the Rosham of yesteryear. They didn't announce it, they just did it. So then Zemashiyesh, Salpidin, he does become the new king. Otherwise, he can't talk about Mashiach. Who gets Mashiach first? Why do you need Mashiach if he's not ready to be king? If he wasn't Mikar Bachecha, if he was a czar to the kingdom, they wouldn't do any Mashiach. So that's an interesting thing, that there was a Havamina that perhaps, even though it doesn't look like such a great guy, didn't have a Raya proof positive that he was bent on doing Rishus and the day he gets on the throne, which is what happened, but they didn't know that. But that's why they did Mashiach. What? Well, that's Chazal told you that that happened, but they might have told you afterwards. I don't think then Chazal announced, oh, he's a Kafu Taiv and therefore don't elect him. It might have been, oh, now we see, now that he's doing all these things, we see what that simon meant. Until then, they could chalk it up to boys will be boys, kids will be kids. It's hard to know. In 2020 hindsight, if you're just, if you just have your eyes open, sometimes you could see it, and sometimes you need Chazal to point it out. But it's still in hindsight. If it was absolutely clear, they would have tried to stop him. That doesn't mean they would have been successful. Remember, once the kings were Rosh we've had Acha. Everybody keeps asking for the last 10 years, why don't we get them off the throne? 
answer is halavai. And once in a while, another sent somebody to do it, and it worked. But that didn't always uh, didn't always work. Let me just get to the Rambam again. That's what you just asked. But it's not always so simple. We need a hundred guys like you who can lift them out of the room. Uh, it's easier said than done. Not to be so strong. Okay, let's go to the Rambam. And the Rambam says in the first halacha, in Peregrine of Hilchus Malachim, something that is so surprising based on what we just learned, that you have to go back with the Nitziv and with the Metzias and fit it in. Shalosh Mitzvah is Davi Bashas, Kenisas, and Loritz. Three mitzvahs. Now, the words Bashas, Kenisas, and Loritz sound like it's Bashas, Kenisas, and Loritz. I can't explain that any other way. Where's Bashas? Touch the words. Bashas and Loritz is three mitzvahs of Chal when they get in. We know that that's not true. Whether it's Nitziv or any other explanation, none of the Nevi'im who are going to be complaining B'Shem Hashem about the speed of Lakhtarov that this conquest is going. That's the first major Sugi and Shaftim. And all the other issues in Pelegish Begiva and Pesamicha, no one is giving heavy muster about the fact that they were obviously ignoring this Mitzvahsim, Mavatala Mitzvahsim, appointing a king. Wanna? So whatever Pshat we come out with, no one was complaining about that. The Ramah says, Bashas Kinsas Laris. So Bashas over here, we didn't see That's why this is so important, means. When you get in, if appropriate, the people want it and it's needed, and they're not in the Madrega to govern themselves, which they ended up being most, mostly, which was Gavaldic, then there's a mitzvah to appoint the king. That's a lot in these words, but it's muchuch because all the sources indicate that that was the case, and all of Shaftim indicates that that was the Mitzvah. Limnus la melech shenema, sentes emelech hamelech, lahachrezar shalamelech. Once it's a melech, he takes the army and he goes to fight the Muhammad's mitzvah which also didn't happen for a while, but they didn't have a king, and they had other things to do, like conquer the land for the basic farmland and areas where they're supposed to live, and get rid of the neighbors who are bad influence. And finally, when the wars are over, that didn't happen even after 350 years, because Shaul ended up being a temporary king, and then there was David, and David had to fight many, many battles. And then the Pasuk says, when the battles were finally over, he said, I think it's time to build the base of Mikdash. And he asked the Navi, and the Navi said, great idea. But the Navi said that as a private citizen, because it was a great idea. And then Hashem told him very quickly in the next Navuah that night, quickly go tell David, great idea, he's not the man. And the Navi sort of was wondering, can I go in the morning? not nice to knock on the king's door in the middle of the night. And Hashem said, he's a Zaruz, I guarantee you. He's up now planning and executing his idea because he's a Zaruz. And he knocked on the door and he was up planning because he was a Zaruz. So that, what I just described to you, was over four centuries. So the Ramam says, this is the order, and it was the order. But the Bashas Kenisas Laris is the surprise. Continue, Allah Habez. The Ramam Proves to you this is the order. Now, the very first King Shaul, who at that point wasn't necessarily supposed to be the temporary king, the Ramam and the Ravid later discussed what would have happened to Shaul had he not made these mistakes, which weren't personal mistakes. They were mistakes on the level of what he was supposed to do as king, which is why he lost the kingdom. David had personal mistakes. He didn't lose the kingdom over it. He got punished. So, the original... Machshava was he'll be king and it's going to come from Yehuda, so he'll be president, prime minister, vice king, whatever you want to call it, but he'll be part of the ruling coalition, so to speak. 
but Malchus Beis David is going to be Malchus Beis David anyway. So that won't make a difference because right now he's the only one that's king and the king's first mitzvah is to fight Amalek, which he did incredibly successful, if you remember from the Haftarah, except for not killing Agag and leaving a few sheep, which ended up being a disaster. But he was 99.999% finished and that was his job, his first job as king. That's step two. To finish all the wars, what we just described with the fancy palace, it's not right, and the Aaron Hashem is behind the curtain. It's not right, it's not Bakavadik, and we have to build a base of Mikdish, and I finished the war, and now's the time. And in essence, he was right. Correct time, wrong person. So Amela wasn't the right time. And he was promised that his young son would accomplish what he wanted to do, and it'll go to Hischus, and he prepared all the money and all the booty he had from battle was put aside for the base of Mikdish. Happens to be he was never used to the base of Mikdish. We discussed that. That's a different schmooze. But he got the full schar of wanting to build it and doing it, per our drasha yesterday about the schar you get from a serious nefesh, even if you didn't end up doing the mitzvah. That's a great example. Ma'achar What? Sorry, is this third, third, third mitzvah, the example of showing that it doesn't trigger the seven right away? Because even though they were after the stage, Hashem said, don't do it. So, so maybe a ride even first. Like what we're saying. Yeah, it doesn't... doesn't mean right within the king. It means as soon as... Right, right. As soon as you're able to, you should try, but we need the right time, circumstance, and person. Here, it happened to be the third mitzvah. We had the wrong person, even though nobody knew that, including David and Melch and Nassim, Anavi. And Hashem said, it's not due to your lack of tzitkus and mysterious nefesh, and if you build it, it can't be destroyed, whatever the pshat is. In the first mitzvah, you put the nitziv with the other mafarshim, it's that they didn't need it. It's dangerous in the best of circumstances because it's absolute power. They were governing themselves, which is Gavaldic, and it worked more or less. So why take the risk? And the people understood that, and therefore they didn't ask, because why do we need a king? We're going to surrender national conscience to one king. We know what to do. It says in Shulchan Aruch what to do, and we know how to run out of Yisrael. And they were basically right, except in the Pusik and Shaftin complains about it, that this went wrong, and that went wrong, a few disasters, and then the Pusik will say they didn't have a king. Then they could have used the king, but by and large, they didn't. So that was a circumstantial issue, and most of the people understood it's not necessary. And here, everybody understood it was necessary. They were just missing information. David Melch couldn't build it. That's the difference. But yes, it's a raya that it's not always triggered, even if you think the time is here. So, the question we've been dealing with. Why was the request met with dismay by Shmuel, consternation in Shemayim? Because some of the people asked for the wrong reasons. Not that they disliked him personally. Once you know this whole background, the of the Rambam fits into every shot very, very well. Since when do you have to do a mitzvah completely if you don't do the Shema, you don't do the mitzvah? There's no such thing. We do mitzvah whether 100% or 50% you work on, raising the Lashma. Here, Tarumas isn't lack of Lashma. It's for the wrong reasons. We're trying to copy the guy, and we normally call that Chukah Sam Lezelechu. 
you do all the things the Gaim are doing, often it involves Gaiva and Pritzis and Shtus Vehevel. Not all the ceremonies surrounding the king involve that, but they were looking to the Gaim to have a more natural order. So that wouldn't trigger the Yisra the Reisach Hukosem per se, but that's a very bad reason to want to do something to become a, a state where there's less Ruchnius. That's not what we're looking to do. Also, coin to the Nitziv, you need two things. You need to know which individual is best suited for the job, and you can't possibly know what's going on internally with somebody. Hashem knows, and Hashem will tell the Navi. That's why Hashem selected Shaul, and Hashem selected David, Hashem selected all the kings, but the Navi was told, he's the best man. No. So once we know that, so what do you need a Sahedrin for? Sahedrin is here to gauge the will of the people, to see if they can be makabal, if it's time to be makabal, if they can handle it, if it's going to work. If Hashem picks the man, we should rubber stamp it, no? But that's not the way Bechira works. If Lamaisa for good or for bad, right or wrong, they're not ready for it, we're not going to do it, even though they should be ready for it, if Hashem said, you're ready for it. That's why the Nitziv says that people have to really be makabal oil and shibud to be able to do it right and have to know it. So Sanhedrin has to gauge that, explain it to them. If they're not ready, maybe explain it to them again. If they see a shasakaisher, try to push it through, but Sanhedrin has to be involved. Interesting, Moshe Rabbeinu asked for a leader, and he begged in his love for Klai we need a leader who's going to be able to understand the people, but put his foot down at the same time when necessary. And Hashem said, pick Yeshua ben Nun, Yatal ben Muvig. But it was Moshe Rabbeinu Ubeis Dina, the 70s Canaan, who ratified it, so to speak. We don't ratify the Tzvar Hashem, but we have to gauge the will of the people and the people have to be able to accept it. Even when, if you recall, Chazal said, when Yeshua ben Nun took over, some of the Zikanim were crying. He was like, Lavona compared to the Chama. They, they didn't reject him. They just, compared to Moshe Rabbeinu, no one's really going to be able to command the full respect. Initially, he did an incredible job. Uh, the one mistake we started discussing of him being nifter early because he didn't conquer quickly enough, we'll get back to, but he was an absolute leader. He had a status of a king, and he basically did what he was supposed to do, 99%. Shaul v'david shamina sam shmuel ha'amasi u'beisdinai. Shmuel Navi always comes with the beisdin, as every generation has their beisdin, even though they have the Av based in, we only know about Shmuel and Avi, but he had a based in. That based in comes up a lot in Yavamis, the whole sugya with the uh, intended uh, coup against uh, David Melech and trying to say he's not fit for Malchus, he's not fit to come to Klai Yisrael, who darshan this Moav Moavia, until yesterday Shmeili got up, he's called Yishmeili because of his gleaming sword, and he explained it to them, as they say. He said, you see this? Either you're makabal, what I know from the Messiah, from Shmuel, u'bezdinai, that this drush is correct, or you'll see this sword close up. We don't normally end arguments in the best measures like that, but that was necessary, and that's a great example where he had a Messiah, he wasn't trying to push an agenda with his sword. He was only saying that because if you don't listen, you're a Zakhen Mamre and Yechai Misa, hence the sword. So they didn't, uh, they had a king, and they were trying to King then was Shaul, and David was the up-and-coming, and they saw that, and they were trying to uh, have the coup before he gets on the throne. That technically is not a coup. But they were trying to stop it for that reason, because he had enemies who were jealous of him. 
Shmuel based Dino Paschal not Shiloh before, and he reminded them of that. So even though we only heard a Shmuel, it always comes with a based in. Okay, now we go back. If you can give out the next copy. We now go back to Yeshua to connect the first Pasuk of Shaftim, which we will begin any week now, to the vital information we need from the end of Yeshua, at least the end of the conquest of what Yeshua did. And we're inching uh, closer to having enough background to be able to begin. And well, you, what? Yes, I forgot Dad Yeshua in there, and I was just going to announce that. Thank you very much. Um, Yossi was uh, nice enough to order them. It took a few months. It took many more years to conquer it to soil, so uh, that fits. And uh, he was nice enough to uh, bring them and donate them. If anybody um, doesn't have one, we had a finite amount. And if there are more people, Baruch Hashem, just try to bring your own. For the meantime, and there is a Yeshua and Shevtim in there, but once we have the copies over here, I bracketed certain parts. So... Uh, in two weeks from now, next Sunday, there is no shear. In two weeks from now, uh, we hope to give out the Ravim. So somebody knows where they are, right? Not just they're waiting in the back. Okay. So, yeah. So thank you, Yossi, for uh, doing all the Hishtadlis. And let's go to, I'm going to show you two parts. See, Yeshua, Parakid Aleph. <coughs> we will have a map to show you, but probably don't need it this week. And the map's as I warned you, are drawn by people who are trying, good people, who are trying to read the Pesukim. It's not a Dover Muskim exactly where everybody was. Not like today, you have a GPS and a satellite, and you can't argue with a map. And even with the GPS and the satellite, there's still people drawing maps with agendas. No? Yaakov, you have uh, Greenland that uh, seems to be dis- disappearing because the global warming people want to convince us it's disappearing. There's some other tricks like that. How do you get away with that? The answer is if Greenland is big enough and no one's really looking, you can do whatever you want. Uh, but drawing maps based on the Pesukim and putting all the Chazals together is a bit of a challenge. As I mentioned two weeks ago with Shevet Dan, where were they? It's a pretty important Shailah, and we'll get back to that. <coughs> Let's go to Perik Yedala, Pasuk Yudches, in your copy. Uh, for those who are listening, we have finally, Tzadik um, reminded me again, Baruch Hashem, to put the Marikamas online, and I'm doing that for the Navi as well. It's going to have a lot of Marikamas, so if you're listening, you can get them from the same place you get the Marikamas from Night Seder. Yud Chaz Yamim Rabim Asi Yeshua is called It took many years. Yeshua was in Eretz Yisrael, leading the battle, and leading Klai Yisrael. Lahayseir Asher Shlima El Bnei Yisrael Bilti Hachivi Given Nobody made peace once they got there. Remember, the Givainim thought that once the battle started, they couldn't make peace. They had to buy some moldy bread, wherever you buy that, and some tattered clothing of the Oriental style to pretend you came from a far-off land. And it was a whole perm spiel. And they said, uh, we're here, who are you? And they introduced themselves, Kilo, they weren't from Zion Amim. And then they made a peace treaty, which was illegal in Muslim Khal. And they promised to not do away with them, which was illegal in Muslim Khal. And then afterwards, they took off their Chinese disguise, and they realized they made a big mistake. So nothing was chal. The Ramam brings down that they kept it anyway because they didn't want condemnation from the UN. That already was coming in from the fact that they were conquering Eretz Israel in the first place, forgetting the first Rashi. And they felt it would be a chil Hashem, even though it really wasn't chal. Somebody tricks you into a deal. It's a, called a mekotos. 
Lamaisa, they weren't happy, they made him into Avadim, Shoevemayim for the Beis for the Mishkan, and afterwards it got worse, and they did some not nice things as they went along, and then they made Xeris that came married to Klai, but they kept them alive. That's the Gevainim. So the Pasuk reminds us that nobody made peace except for the Gevainim at the last minute, and except for Girgashi, who did the smart thing, and they left, they moved to Africa, and lived happily ever after, or unhappily ever after, because they weren't keeping the Zion Mitzvahs, but that's not part of the script over here. But they lived. And nobody else left, which is bizarre, because there was no shaitla in anybody's mind that nobody could stop Klai Yisrael. They turned over the mightiest empire in the world, Mitzrayim, and when they got to Yisrael, the gatekeepers, Sichon and Oig, were there to protect everybody, and they were paid handsomely for that, and they were gone in 20 minutes. So nobody was have any, having any, shouldn't be having any hallucination or be deluding themselves into thinking we're going to win this war. And yet, so usually the result of that is they run or they surrender. And the Pesach says everybody fought. Except for Gagoshi that left and the Gevainim who got scared and tricked them. Why is that? So the next Pesach answers that question. Sound familiar from Paro? He also did some very strange things and he kept on fighting even though he's getting destroyed. The answer is they deserve to be destroyed because they're rishus and part of the Einish was to be lechazik their lave, like by para. Lechazik is libam likras ha-macham es Yisrael laman ha-charimam in order to be able to have the chance to get rid of them. Levilti ha-yais lahem tachinas they shouldn't feel sorry for them which is already a uh, premonition and a sneak preview of what the problem is going to be in Shaftan. As I mentioned, Yidin, most of the time for good, and this time wasn't very good, don't make good conquerors, and aren't really doing the mitzvah of getting rid of the Rishon and Bezrizis. And the Pesach here says, Hashem Dafka put in their mind a ridiculous decision to fight in order to get them eliminated and get rid of them, because... If we have tchin on them, if we feel bad and we say, ah, not so bad, they'll pay taxes, they'll stay here, the culture is going to seep in and this tiny little piece of land, which is a dot on the map, which is going to be fine, plenty of room for Klai Yisrael, is for Klai Yisrael. They're not supposed to be here. And Hashem's trying to make that easier for them. It's not going to work completely, as we'll see at the beginning of Shaftim. The Gavan just got scared. I mean, they had some, you're pointing out, they had some schus, yeah. There must have been somebody's grandmother, you know, for Gaim, that could work also, um, that maybe they shouldn't be killed. What is it, a schus over time? I think at the end of the story, it really wasn't. It was probably, they were probably behind because they got themselves later on into such trouble. They're making gzairas and gzairas on gzairas, not to marry to Klai Israel. I guess it was a schus for. X amount of years they did service the kind of Levium, that's some sort of schuss, but their behavior later in the time of Dovanamela was not a particular schuss. Is it better they not be there at all? That's a decision in Shemayim, we can't decide that, but to be able to live and the fact that they were accepted was um, some schuss, and maybe they knew Hashem and uh, understood that Hashem is running everything, and they davened and they got in. So it's possible a guy can have a schuss to survive. We're going to have at the beginning of Shevtim, one of the most mysterious uh, cities and one of the most mysterious stories about the uh, city of Luz. And there was one fellow who had a schus, doesn't say why, 
but he was smart enough to get himself to survive. So you have very, very, one of the seven, one fellow over here, Rachel Vazaino, had tremendous chusim. She married Yeshua ben Nun. Okay, so you have certain people who were smarter and uh, had some, some background or some schus triggering it. But the Pasuk tells us that this is Kilamana Shmidam Kasha Tziva Hashem as Moshe, because this was the Chiv Daraisa and important for the safety of the Ruchnius of Klaistro. Pasuk Chafal, Vayava Yeshua Beisehi Viachre says, Anakim and Ahar, and it gives us a review, and these descriptions are very important because we're going to have them at the beginning of Shaftim, and the Radak and others are going to have to explain why it's being repeated there. Here it says, The Yeshua came, got rid of the Anakim, they had a lot of Anakim, especially around the Chevron. And Plishti areas, which are not that far from each other. He called Ha Yisrael, Amareim, Acharim, Yehoshua. So again, Menachevim, Medvir, Menanav, Mikol Ha Yehuda. The district of Yehuda, Mikol Ha Yisrael, Amareim, Acharim, Yehoshua. We'll go to the Radak in a moment. Where does your next page go? Do you have a next page? What? You do? I, only, I was only there for two, so maybe. Uh, thank you. You have another one? Now, what's going to be jumping off the page already here and in Shaftin is there's a lot of discussion about Azah. That should sound vaguely familiar. That's the place where they're always rioting and causing trouble, except when they cancel the riots on Erev Shabbos once in a while. Um, Azah is in the news now. But when you finish with Yeshua and Shaftin, you realize that for some interesting reason, and we don't have the full story, Azza was in the news from the beginning of Kiva Sheit Yisrael and remained in the news for a long, long time, far exceeding any other area in Yisrael by 100%. For Halo Doverhu. Almost to the extent that you might get the misimpression that maybe the Gaza Strip is not part of Eretz Yisrael. Because even on the maps that people draw to figure out what's going on in the Psukim, they leave a shaded area. It almost looks like a map drawn by the UN, but it's not. It's uh, these maps were made by people trying to do the Psukim. And you have Yehuda and Shimon, and then they leave the Gaza Strip somewhere to be discussed. Or reading the Pus, this is in Yeshua. He says, well... Yeshua really took care of those giants. Those are the cities of the Pishon. That's all in the Gaza Strip. There's something strange going on already. And I can assure you of one thing. The Gaza Strip is part of Eretz Yisrael Midoresa. Even though you wouldn't think so based on the fact that every battle that's fought, including the battles we're going to see in the beginning of Shevtim, by Yehuda, who were very good, the Giberm of Yehuda were very good at conquering their land. And it was part of Yehuda's district and Nachla. And they didn't conquer Azza for a long, long time. And if you fast forward, you remember Goliath? One of the Anakim. He caused a lot of trouble. That's almost 400 years later. And he's coming out of the Plishtim city in Azza. Like, why do they... <laughs> it's, you know, like Shechem is Muchel Lepronius. They don't say this about the Gaza Strip, but you look at the Pesukim, it's unbelievable. They eventually conquered then because Goliath was taken care of by David, and David went to fight the Plishtim again and again and again. Plishtim come back like a bad penny more than anybody else, but eventually they won. The Ramam just said, David finally finishes wars, and they finally got them 400 years. So you talk about Schusim, why they were still there. 
a lot of chesh benis and shemayim. So we don't really have answers historically, but I'm just warning you. Whenever we say and they won this war, that war, and they conquered Hever and they conquered Yerushalayim and, and the Gaza Strip is still alive and well for some odd reason. And here the Pasik tells you, Yeshua Benin did a great job and got rid of all the Anakim except for an Azagas Ashtar, the three primary cities of the Plishtim. Let's just read Chav Gimel, Ve'ikach Yeshua, is Kalaris, Kahal Shadib, Hashem, Almeisha, Vietnam, Yeshua, Nachli, Yisrael, Kemachla Kaisam, Lishavtayim, Varashaktim, Mamachama. Very important piece of information, which is why we're looking at it now. It said Yeshua conquered the main areas, got rid of most of the giants, and split up Eretz Yisrael. That's based on Psukim that say Beferish later that Hashem tells Yeshua ben Nun, you're going to die soon, early. Hashem didn't say early, but it's Mukha from Chazal that it was 10 years early. And I want you to do the entire Nachla process with the girl and have Klaisol there and split up all the Nachlas, give them their borders, and let the Shvatim know exactly what they're supposed to conquer. Because you're not going to be here, and they're going to have to finish this themselves, which is where we're going to begin in Shaftim. That's why it's important to know this. Why was that done now, years ahead of time? The answer is Yeshua Benun was the all-powerful ruler. He was the king, and it was important that they know this is done under Yeshua's auspices with the Urim so nobody can debate it later, because borders and land and people get a little hot under the collar. What's mine, what's not mine, so... It was important that it be clear to Klai Yisrael, give it out now, and then each shevet will take care of conquering it. Not fast enough, but hopefully they will get to it and do it now, even though it's not Nagaya now because there's still Goyim living there. But he was told, you're not going to finish it. So do it now. Yes? Yes, that's right, and that's the most, that's why I'm giving this whole introduction. You you can't really figure out what's going on with the introduction, let alone without an introduction. It's clear, what what is clear is clear, Yeshua ben Nun, Dafka did not appoint a successor, and he certainly didn't appoint his, well, he had girls, but that's a different problem, okay, but he didn't appoint anybody. Shaftim is going to start off, the first question that I asked the Tumim is, okay, Yeshua ben Nun is not here, we have a lot left to conquer, and a lot might mean 10%, 20%, 30%. Looks like from the Pussy, he conquered 51%, laid all the ground rules, and the major wars were over, even though we have a lot of wars to go. But he did most of the heavy lifting, but they want to start, and they ask the Umatumim, Mia Leberish. That's the question, Mia Leberish. Well, who did Yeshua bin on a point? It's very clear, it was a conscious omission. Because of what wasn't time for Malchus, yes. It was a Rosh Hashanah, also had a din of king. And there are many rayas. There are many rayas, and it's important. Why couldn't he be a shefet? There were certain things they did as kings, and they had a din of a king. And Shaftim, in a way, also had a din of a king in certain aspects, but not all the aspects. And in Shaftim, the Rishayim and the Achrayim discussed that at length. So yes, Yeshua Benun had a status of king, more or less, more than Shaftim, less than an actual king, perhaps, and he, he was careful not to appoint another one. He was in the wrong shevet. He knew that. He knew he wasn't going to be king. They had a Messiah, So he did not appoint one. And that was noticed. Nobody complained. But the first question they asked is, okay, who takes charge and who goes first? So basically this person could say, nobody takes charge. Every shevet has an achla. Go do it. And that was true. But for the first battle, they want to make sure this goes well, because you can imagine, after Yeshua Benun dies, the Gaim already, who weren't conquered, the rabble-rabs, or the ones that were and want to push back, say, okay, Yeshua is gone, let's start up. So it's very important that whichever Shevet starts first wins, so they send a message that 
we're not rolling over and we're going to finish this job. That's why that question is going to be asked. Yes? Yes, so, so very good. That's part of the problem. That, that's a very good start. The, yeah, the problem is, is that there are Rishonim and there are Medrashim that say it's a Tainan Abmavinu that he signed that treaty. And one of the Medrashim say, Beferish, Hashem tells Abmavinu, I told you I'm giving you Eitz Yisrael. You just signed a treaty, multi-generational treaty, and now they come and take Israel, and they, the Yavusi is still going to be sitting in Yerushalayim. And that's going to be a big problem because we're not violating this treaty. And we didn't. Oddly enough, Yushalayim is going to be one of the last places they can conquer. Even when they conquer Yushalayim, Yushalayim has a number of different regions, and they conquered in the beginning of Shaftim. The beginning of Shaftim is going to be a lot of action there. They're going to go get Yushalayim, they know the importance, and they're going to get 78% of it. And they're not going to touch Yerha Yavusi because there's a treaty going on. And as fate would have it, divinely ordained, of course, Avinolach had very, very long-lasting descendants. <laughs> it was like, how many generations he signed it for? Him, his son, his grandson. They lived a long, long time. And he can't conquer it. So, yeah, so I, I, that's for Yushalayim. And the Gaza Strip was uh, part of that. And uh, maybe that's why they didn't start up. Uh, some of it, at least. That, that could be a possibility. But that, that just highlights the Medrash. That, that's why Hashem was Kaviyachal Tining. Why did you sign that treaty? They're supposed to go in. They're supposed to get this done. So I, I like that, that that could be part of the issue. They only bring it, they highlight it by Yushalayim. They don't say it by Gaza. Maybe, maybe it's obvious. Where was the rock? It was in the Gaza Strip. So how did they end up in Yavusi? You know what? People have a good schmeck for good real estate. <laughs> and everybody wanted a chalik in Yushalayim. They had 31 kings and only seven nations. Every king all over the world had some palace in Yisrael, the closer you line, the better it was. So th- I'm saying, there's a lot in the background, but that's certainly a very good possibility. Yes? Why would Moshe Rabbeinu Because the people sometimes need a leader to really put his foot down and get things done. You need an official king from the right shavit. No, because if Ephraim, if Yeshua is in the wrong shavit, Moshe Rabbeinu was certainly from the wrong shavit, because we have a din, you can't have Malchus and Kahuna. So he certainly was supposed to be the king long range, and, but he was also kind of for a time. That was when we were solidifying things and you needed a powerful figure to get things done and Moshe Abeno did just that. Did you say that the Machman and the Midbar is like Eretz Yisrael, like Beit Medrash? Yeah, it's a nice, it's true, but you don't have to say that because it's clear he wasn't from the right shavit. So it was clearly her rush. We'll take one more and we'll have to pay back some Peliers next time. Yeah. Yes. Yes, because they were very strong. So it sounds like Facts on the ground. Yes, if you look at the editorials during the Zman of the Shaftim, which is not a good idea to do ever, uh, they would give a commentary, yes, Jewish army very strong, can't beat us, or something like that, which isn't the whole story, but yes, they were very strong. So they, when you fight battles, you fight the ones that are softer first. And you knock them out so that you get some inertia. Ultimately, they'll get to them. That ultimately is going to be four centuries later. So, so we, it sounds like we That passage just says that they were so strong, they would see them and all of a sudden want to run back to Mitzrayim. Hashem didn't plan on fighting them. Just, just by walking by, they would get scared. We don't have a riot from that passage. Okay, Mitzvah Hashem, we will continue in two weeks.